You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show Wednesday edition. This is our usual stock up, stock down day midweek, but we're going to change things up today and redraft the top 10 of the 2020 NFL Draft. And of course, review everything we saw from Tuesday Night Football, another oddball night of football during the week, but that's just another game for us to put under the microscope and break down here. Ravens, Cowboys from Tuesday Night Football. This football season will be different. It already has been extremely different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. At BD Peacock on Twitter is where you can find me at Williamson NFL, the scout Matt Williamson. He is a must follow and he is also my co-host today. Matt, what do we think about this Ravens doubling up on the Cowboys? 34-17. And it turned out, yes, it was that breakout defense that the Ravens offense needed to play. Yeah, I think this is highly encouraging if you're Baltimore. I mean, I thought Lamar looked like Lamar, you know, where he he missed two or three throws where you're like, wow, did he miss that one bad? But that's not uncommon for him. And I think there's a misconception with his accuracy that, boy, this guy can't throw because a lot of times when he misses, he just misses so bad that it stands out. But that aside, I thought he ran really well. Um, looked as spry as ever, and their stable of running backs and ball carriers was very impressive. I, I think this is what you wanted to see out of the Ravens' offense. And Dallas, aside from their horrid, horrid run defense, <laughs> I didn't think played that bad. You know, like I thought Dalton was fine and the weapons and Zeke, and, you know, I, I thought they didn't really show all that poorly except for the total inability to stop the run. And it's really bad. You've got linebackers really running the wrong direction when, right. uh, when Lamar Jackson has the ball and takes it up the middle to the house. Uh, you mentioned Lamar. He didn't really have to do that much. He only threw the ball 17 no. times because they ran for 300 yards, uh, nearly 294 yards on the ground for Baltimore, averaging 7.9 yards per carry. So it didn't really matter who was in there. Gus Edwards had a, a long run. Lamar Jackson had a long run. J.K. Dobbins had a 30-yard run. And uh, they were all averaging over six yards per carry. So they just did what they want on the ground, which made things very difficult for Dallas, even if they played okay on the on the offensive side of the ball. So, um, yeah, that, that was a good sign for Baltimore. You have an opportunity against a bad defense to touch them up a little bit, and they did. And it was funny because Lamar, like right after he made a really bad throw, would make like this beautiful throw too. And so that's right, sort right. of the consistency that Lamar Jackson is still looking for as a passer. And I think it's uh, mechanics is a lot of it when he makes those big misses too because he's so athletic and he can do things other people can't. Sometimes his lower half and his upper half aren't in sync on a throw uh, and mechanically maybe gets lazy or is just you know in a place where a lot of quarterbacks you don't want them to be. And then on the next play, he'll just throw something beautiful or make a run, and you're just like, wow, this guy's crazy. And he still has, he's still young and has a lot of time to get better in some of those really finer points of quarterbacking. But um, it was fun to see this Baltimore offense at full capacity with their players, minus Des Bryant, which is something maybe we should get into, uh, and then uh, and, and roll up the score a little bit on the Cowboys. You just could flat out not stop the run at all. I mean, it's bad. The, the Cowboys defense is so bad. I yeah. have to start thinking about, I mean, 
one and done maybe for McCarthy, or at least Mike Nolan on the defensive side of the ball. Like there's no confidence I have right now in this Cowboys staff that this is the, even when Dak is back next year, that this is the staff that's going to get you there. I 100% agree, especially at defensive coordinator, but maybe also at head coach. I've kind of said this since they hired McCarthy that, you know, <laughs> I always hate to bring things back to the Steelers, but I, I get this all the time. Tomlin and Roethlisberger should have more Super Bowl wins. I'm like, well, Drew Brees has had a better career than Ben. Rodgers has had a better career than Ben. They each have one. I don't think by any means Sean Payton and Brees, or Sean Payton's not a good coach. But I think McCarthy could have got a little more maybe out of the Rodgers era in Green Bay. You know, you're looking Mm -hmm. back at things. And now without a superstar quarterback, we're seeing what's happening. Um, and, And Nolan... I think that's an easy change. I mean, at least switch that side of the ball up. You mentioned Dak. I think Dak is sitting back going, Jerry's going to be calling with a big check here soon. They showed him pregame. It looks like he's, they said he's already squatting. That's great. I mean, I'm rooting for him. If I was Dallas, assuming my doctor signed off on it, I'm giving Dak what he deserves. And then I'm just drafting like the Panthers did everything on defense. And maybe if you're Dak, you're just going to sit back and say, okay, well, let's see what you do with Coach first. Maybe Dak isn't all, all the way yeah. on board either with what's going on currently, and that could be a factor if Dak wants to maybe have some conversations with some other teams as well. So that that could go a number of directions for the Dallas Cowboys this offseason. I think they've got to figure out head coach first and match somebody with Dak if they're going to bring Dak back and make that thing work. Yeah, but I was sitting there envisioning that Cowboys offense thinking, what if that was Dak instead of Dalton? With Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, and Lyle Collins. Ah, okay. <laughs> you know. Michael Gallup with the touchdown catch there, and it's such a great trio of receivers with Cooper, Lamb, Gallup. They've got to pay Gallup somewhat soon. I don't think it's this offseason. I think next offseason he'll be an unrestricted free agent. So they have a year to figure it out, but uh, they're they're not going to be able to pay Gallup with Cooper and then eventually pay Lamb on top of it. So do they shop? One of those two guys in Cooper or Gallup in the offseason, Zeke Elliott, that contract looks worse and worse. He, he doesn't look completely washed, but he's not the same guy we saw coming out of Ohio State. He doesn't have that same electric no. ability. And it's it's pretty clear, and it's such a stark contrast, when Tony Pollard's in the game, it's like, okay, that guy's a lot more explosive than Zeke Elliott. And he's a lot smaller, too, but it's, it's pretty clear. Uh, without question. I mean, he has, definitely has more juice, and I do think that is an underreported story of Zeke's lack of production. A lot of people say the fumbles, the O-line, those things are obvious, but I don't think he's moving quite the same either. And he's had quite the workload going back to Ohio State. I mean, these guys don't last forever at that position. Yeah. And speaking of the offensive line for the Cowboys, I think that was one of the things you could point to as a positive for them, sort of had to revamp things on the fly in Dallas, and they played pretty well up front. They did, and... I'm a little worried to bring it back to the Ravens. Their pass rush isn't quite as good as you would expect it to be. And Calais Campbell is out there basically on one leg. I'm curious. I I think they turned the corner, but when they play the Browns next week, that's going to be very, very telling. I think it was huge for Baltimore to get Brandon Williams back in the middle because he's, you know, one, he's a, He's basically a secret superstar in the NFL. He's been so good in the middle of that defense for so long, and nobody ever really talks about him. And he got his mitts on a ball early in that game that led to the Patrick Queen interception. Uh, that was all on Brandon Williams. So to get Calais Campbell and Brandon Williams back, even if neither one of them is 100%, and it's pretty clear that uh, the Campbell is not right now, I think that was a huge boost for their defense as well. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I want to tease something that will probably go to the offseason, but I've been thinking more and more that when you look at all the quarterbacks around the league, especially first and second year guys, but really dudes that needed a lot of development. And Lamar absolutely fits this mold. I mean, even though he's been in the league a couple years, even maybe Wentz, Darnold, yeah, I mean, but especially Locke and Haskins and guys that have underperformed expectations this year. I think it's easy to forget here in December that these guys at that position that are still developing, I mean, still in their formative years, not really even teenagers in terms of their development, well, maybe Wentz is, that they didn't have the regular offseason and the preseason and camp, that I bet that if we have some normal offseason, a handful of these guys will take a huge step forward that we had hoped for a year, you know, coming into the year. And Lamar's, you know, a perfect example, in my opinion. Yep. Uh, development paths are not linear for quarterbacks. There's ups and there's no. downs. I and mean, we've even seen it with veteran quarterbacks and, and Aaron Rodgers has a little dip and then comes back and you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. He's MVP guy and people want to write him off. And we've seen it a little bit with Tom Brady in his career as well. So it's certainly going to happen with younger quarterbacks and someone so talented as uh, Lamar Jackson and, and Carson Wentz, too. And so sometimes it's the environment. Sometimes it's just a, a down year. Sometimes it's injury. So that'll be an interesting project. We should definitely get into those conversations in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, saying Haskins would be a star, but what if he would have had an offseason? You know what I mean? Like, a lot of these guys that needed it were deprived it. So let's not write the book on these young quarterbacks quite yet. And looking at mock drafts, too, it's interesting because Trey Lance is usually in that area where Washington would be drafting. Do they go with another guy who's only started one year as a college quarterback? Because that was kind of the knock on Haskins coming out. So that'll be interesting. And so those conversations will be super fun in the offseason. But right now, our conversation shifts to rookies in the 2020 season. Let's redraft the top 10 of the 2020 NFL draft. Coming up, Peacock and Williamson. What part of your day do you hit a wall? Do you hit that afternoon wall post-lunch? Is it just before 5 o'clock, before or after a workout? Is it right before that late afternoon football game on Sunday? You can power through that wall with Built Go. Whether it's a mental wall or a physical wall, break through it with Go every day. Easy to take, one and a half ounce packages. It's energy, protein, B vitamins, honey, and a little kick of caffeine to get you going. And it's small, easy to carry, easy to take. Put it in your briefcase, put it in your golf bag to power you through the back nine. Have your most focused presentation at work ever. Put it in your car, just stick it in your pocket. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market, too. It's like having an energy drink without that same crash of this overly sugared, caffeinated beverage. Much healthier for you because it's natural and better for the body. Three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, coconut chocolate, and chocolate mint. Go to BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off your next order. That is promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Yes, it's too early. We're not that far removed from the 2020 draft, but we've got some evidence now, and we've seen some of these rookies on the field with the teams that drafted them, Matt, so this will be fun. Let's redraft the top of the 2020 NFL draft. This is your idea, and this is always a fun exercise for me, so I'm definitely excited to do this today. Yeah, and here's how I did it. I mean, just for something fun to do in the middle of the week and just kind of get a little bit of a stock of where these teams are, is I took the top 10 draft 
you know, order from last year. So it goes Cincy, Washington, Detroit, Giants, Miami, Chargers, Carolina, Arizona, Jacksonville, Cleveland. And went under the assumption that since he doesn't have Joe Burrow, but they have first pick of anyone that's a rookie this year, who would they take if they had that choice right now? And that's what I did for all 10. And I, I just thought it was kind of fun. You know, I mean, uh, some of these, one of the guys I have down here kind of later in the top 10 hasn't done a lot as a rookie, but I still think he has a lot of promise and it's an important position. So uh, just because they, have a couple good weeks. I'm not going to jump them up, but you know, I, I thought it was a fun thing to do. Absolutely. It'll be a lot of fun. So let's put our, our scouting hats on. Uh, this is now the Peacock and Williamson war room. My name's first yeah. on the marquee. So I'm going to be the president, but I'm going to be the de facto president guy. The guy that talks to the media, media, Matt, you're going to be the scouting director. You're going to be the <laughs> one that's actually making the picks behind the scenes. You're the brains behind the brains. So you are going to convince me which player to pick in these spots. Let's start with the Cincinnati Bengals, who are on the clock at number one. They took quarterback Joe Burrow out of LSU. Uh, he looked like everything they thought he would be, but now the decision gets more difficult when we've seen some other players also play well, and he had that devastating knee injury that was a torn ACL. Plus, you don't know how that recovery is going to go. Do you still stick with Joe Burrow, number one, if you're Cincinnati? I would consider it. You know, I mean... I'm operating under the assumption that I know this young man and I, you know, I've seen what he can do. I love everything he's brought to the table, but Herbert has played his equal. And if it were pre-injury, if this was three weeks ago, I would just stick with Burrow. I'd say, thanks. I'm not going, I'm not going to go fish. I'm going to keep the cards in my hand, but because of the injury, I'll trade him out for Herbert. Wow. Okay. I wasn't sure if you were going to go that way with it. And I, completely see the the logic in it I think if you are Cincinnati the fact that they went through the process already and they believed he was the better player for them and without the ACL I don't think there's any way they would change it uh as long as they don't have information that this is going to be an injury that they believe will be something that that changes him as a player I think they might still stick with Joe Burrow but to me it's pretty clear this comes down to only two players it's either Justin Herbert it's either Joe Burrow and uh, to me, I think you stick with Joe Burrow. But Matt, I, I like your conviction there for the Herbert pick who has you know, statistically outperformed Joe Burrow so far, even though he had his worst uh, game of the season last week. And, uh, you know, he's putting a bad team on his shoulders. As, as Joe Burrow did, it's pretty clear how bad the Bengals were. And Joe Burrow at least allowed them to win a couple games, and they're not going to win a game the rest of the year, it doesn't look like. Right, I 100% agree. And if I had the basis decision off the only their college tape, I still would have stuck with Burrow with the injury, but I've had the luxury of watching Herbert in a Chargers uniform, and I'm going to snag him off the Chargers and put him in my lineup just because of the injury. But otherwise, it would have been very, very close, and I would have sided with Burrow. All right, Cincinnati Bengals selecting quarterback Justin Herbert, number one overall in the Peacock and Williamson 2020 redraft. That brings us to Washington at pick number two, and they have selected pretty clearly the best defensive player in the NFL as a rookie this season in Chase Young. He was the best player. Uh, a lot of people thought he was better than the quarterbacks. If you if you take out positional value with quarterbacks and the best player overall in the draft in 2020, Chase Young out of Ohio State, the defensive end, uh, he's, again, been everything that Washington expected in their number two overall pick. Do they stay defense? Or now that what we know with their, their quarterback position and Dwayne Haskins not being the guy, do they go quarterback at number two? 
No, I think they grab Burrow and are very happy about it. They would have taken either one of those two quarterbacks. No offense to Chase Young. We love you, but you just don't play a position that's as important. We'll gladly take Burrow watching all the tape that he's put out there in a Bengals uniform. And Alex Smith, you can ride the ship until uh, Burrow's ready to take back over. We're going to trade Haskin for a bag of footballs or whatever we can get for him and proceed in that, that manner and with great confidence. Yep. Uh, it was either Burrow, Herbert or Herbert Burrow in this conversation. Yeah. And there's really no other way to go with it. And then that may, brings us to uh, pick number three in the Detroit Lions, which becomes really easy now that it was quarterback one and two. This has to be Chase Young now for Detroit at three, right? Or do you consider one of the other quarterbacks or offensive tackles? I mean, I think two across my mind, you know, I mean, considering Stafford's age and my thought was Tua could be the guy I could probably trade a first trade Stafford for a first round pick, get 10 years or 12 years younger at the position. But Chase Young's a superstar. We've been looking for a pass rusher forever. He's the bird in the hand. He's an easy one. And I still Matthew Stafford as my quarterback. So I'll take Chase Young and basically run to the podium with that one. That one's too easy, and it doesn't matter what your scheme is. It doesn't matter what team you are. If you're not looking for a quarterback, that's what you're hoping you find at the top of the draft is just a complete stud edge pass rusher, and that's exactly what Chase Young is and proving to be in the NFL in his rookie season with Washington, and and Washington has no problems. They don't want any takebacks with that pick either, even though maybe a quarterback would have been a nice selection for them there at number two. Yeah, absolutely, but Chase Young with a third pick in the draft, that'll work. Okay, things get a little bit more interesting here at number four, Matt. Uh, This is the New York Giants selection. They went with offensive tackle Andrew Thomas, and this was an offensive tackle class with four legit studs at the position. And I think right now, at the time, he definitely was at least three. He might have been my fourth. I can't remember. It was really close between, I think, he and Tristan Wirfs for three and four for me. But I think it's pretty clear that he's actually the fourth best, and and they ended up taking him first of that group, number four overall. In Andrew Thomas. Yeah, and, and I think they regret that considering the other ones on the board. I considered Tua, but I think Daniel Jones has earned at least one more year for me, and I don't love Tua, to be very honest with you. So I, I, I stayed the course and just swapped Thomas out for Wirfs, who I think has been tremendous for the Bucks. Wirfs has been the highest graded of those four at offensive tackle, according to Pro Football Focus, and to me it's either Wirfs or Becton there. Wirfs has been healthy. Becton has been banged up a little bit. I think Wirfs, because of his athleticism, fits more schemes. I think Becton, if you want to have an offense where you're dropping your quarterback uh, back a few steps and you need somebody who's just big and strong and a brute and potentially going to be the best in this class if he can stay healthy, um, then Makai Becton is your guy. But it's got to be one of those two players, I think. And, and Jedrick Wills, too, who went number 10 to the Cleveland Browns, He's been really good in the past game, been just sort of average as a run blocker, but he's been awesome too, flipping from the right side at Alabama to the left side um, in Cleveland, which was one of the big questions with him, and he's been pretty awesome for them and maybe the best pass blocker of all all four of them so far in his rookie season, according to Pro Football Focus. So just a fantastic group of tackles to choose from. Looks like the Giants chose the wrong one, and here's the other angle with the New York Giants. Knowing that there was four really good tackles and they were going to take a tackle, did they not get a trade offer? This is the one thing that at I think... At all, right. I would, moved down three spots, five yeah, spots, you know, I, right. If I had to ding, and, and I've not been a huge fan of what's going on there in New York, and I think David Gettleman is is a, a guy that I would not hire to be my GM, did he not get a single offer? Because if he didn't, if he turned down offers to trade down and then stuck and drafted Andrew Thomas, uh, that's just a terrible decision. That's just, that's just not helping 
your organization as much as you should have. And I have to imagine there was somebody calling about a quarterback there with quarterbacks going five, six, back to back, and everybody knew those two teams behind him wanted a quarterback. Yeah, right. I mean, Tua, Tua and Herbert, you know, they, there was more questions then than now. I mean, is Tua, is Tua able to stay healthy? Herbert's tape's not that great, blah, blah, blah. But you can't tell me somebody from 7 to 15 didn't call at all. And I've heard this many times that Gettleman's very reluctant to move and trade and move around the board. Like, that's very short-sighted to me. He doesn't trade. He doesn't trade at all. It's, right. it's the yeah. wildest thing, especially with new school GMs trading more and more. I think that you're just getting left behind if that's the case. They're just playing with a shorter deck. Right. You know, I mean, help yourself out. I mean, you all probably right. easily could have picked up a third round pick and still yeah. gotten Thomas. And gotten Thomas or gotten a better. Like if someone takes or, or Thomas and say, oh, boo hoo. Yeah. You ended up with Wills or you ended up with Beckton or you ended up with Worf. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's uh, uh, Thomas is not going in my top 10. I'll tell you that. Yep. He's, he wouldn't be in my top 10 either. So, one through four, we've got Cincinnati taking Justin Herbert, Washington with Joe Burrow, Detroit with Chase Young, and the Giants with offensive tackle Tristan Wirfs. We've got five through 10 coming up 2020 NFL redraft on Peacock and Williamson. Okay, we're getting to the quarterback zone again. Back to back here was the Miami Dolphins and the Los Angeles Chargers going with Tua Tagovailoa and Justin Herbert. Herbert's off the board. Tua's still there for Miami. Do they just stand pat and select Tua and roll with it at pick number five? Or do you see another player here that might have leapfrogged Tua that would be your fifth pick in the draft for Miami? Considered Becton, you know, I mean, or even Wills, you know, because they, they did go offensive tackle with their second first round pick, if you recall, and their line is still not so great. But I think you stay the course and go with Tua. I mean, otherwise you got Fitz and, you know, you're, you're not in the position to go get another one in the top five this year, even though you have, well, I guess you have the Houston pick, but uh, I still think you stay the course here. Take Tua. Let's see how this thing plays out. He's showing signs of improvement. Um, let the, let the kid develop. It's interesting because they got, they could have gotten a stud offensive tackle there. And now they have their other multiple picks in the first round, they ended up selecting at 19, was it? No, where are they? Uh, 18 and 30. They traded down to 30 because they were higher. Uh, the Packers traded up them to get their quarterback. Would a combination of Tua and Austin Jackson, your quarterback and tackle, be better than the combination of Makai Becton and the quarterback that the Packers traded up for in Jordan Love at their original pick at 26. Mm. Do you want Jordan Love and Becton or Tua and Austin Jackson? Well, even when they took Austin Jackson, I thought that was a pick for another day. Mm -hmm. So it's a little early to write him off as a bad pick or, I mean, he's a true project. And with if you give those guys true serum, I don't think Miami thought they'd be in the playoff hunt this year. You know, they were drafting for 2021 and, so that's still to play out. Um, I don't. I was never a love guy though. So I'll take I'll take the Tua route. But what if they would have taken Beckton or somebody like that? Ignored quarterback last year and trade everything they have possible to go get Fields or you know mm -hmm. Trey Lance. You know that that Texans pick, knowing what you know now, which of course they didn't have that luxury, right? And knowing that you have all of that ammo in both seasons. Mm -hmm. And they even traded down and got more picks of going from 26 to 30 in the first round last year. Uh, 
it's hard to just keep kicking that can down the road. And I think the key for Miami, and it's pretty easy to see now, and kudos to them for not getting a little bit too uh, overzealous, and maybe they did make a call to New York and couldn't make a deal, but they didn't trade up. They allowed it to come to them, and they still got Tua, who was clearly their quarterback, uh, to and, and they liked him more than Justin Herbert there because they took him, took him in front of Herbert at number five. So they didn't have to move up to get a quarterback. I think that was a big factor of it for Miami. And maybe if Tua and Joe Burrow had gone before they picked, maybe they would have gone the route mm-hmm. that you just explained. But the fact that they didn't have to move around and, and he fell to them, I think was a big factor there. And, and Tua's book is not written yet either. He could still end yeah. up being the best quarterback of this class. We'll see how that looks. And he hasn't had as much of an opportunity as Herbert and Burrow. And he clearly doesn't have just the... The, the tools that Herbert has, but he has his own skill and his own ability. So I'm really interested to watch Tua down the stretch and see what he looks like, because who knows, maybe they are with their pick and Houston's pick that maybe on the clock there, they have an opportunity to draft another quarterback next year. And you at least have to consider it if you're not completely sold on Tua, but uh, that'll be a fun. Uh, I think that'll be a fun team to watch down the stretch. Not only are they a, a playoff team with a rookie quarterback, but how good is Tua? actually. And I think there's a chance for him to, to perform a lot better than he has so far as a rookie. Yeah. And it was just over a year ago, like 400 days ago, tank for Tua. Dolphins are tanking for Tua. And, oh, he was clear yeah, number one overall. We didn't even know who Burrow was practically, right? He was a transfer right, right. who's going to start for an SEC team. So that's, uh, that's, that's pretty amazing stuff. What can happen in a calendar year in the football world Joe Burrow going from a sixth round pick to number one overall Tua getting hurt going from one to five and now Justin Herbert might be the best quarterback in the class after all who was a what was the guy that none of the other teams that wanted a quarterback wanted and fell to the Chargers who are now on the clock at number six but Justin Herbert's already gone he went number one overall in this redraft so what do you do if you're the Chargers and all three quarterbacks are off the board yeah you cry a little bit because you just lost the guy you love (laughs) But then there's an easy selection for me, and that's Mackay Becton. You know, I mean, th- they've had tackle problems and line problems pretty much all of Philip Rivers' career. Uh, I think they could go offensive line early this year if there's a, if it fits if it, the the player fits the need. Um, that's a pretty good consolation prize. Not bad. I think they would be okay with that. But in this scenario, I think you definitely are making calls with uh, Detroit. Would be a tough team to move up with. Because Chase Young fell to them and the Giants if they don't want to move. And I think that maybe is what happened in this draft is uh, teams might have tried to move up and just couldn't because of what the teams in front wanted to do and who they liked and who were on the board. So uh, that's another factor in this because a lot of people say, uh, oh, just trade down. Like this team's going to trade down. This team, oh, just trade up. Well, you have to have a dance partner, right? And I think right. the Giants don't trade. That, that was that's one kind of, of eliminates things pretty quick. <laughs> right. That was one of the most surprising things that happened on draft day right. is that there were no trades. I thought there would be multiple trades in the top 10 and it just didn't happen. Yeah, and I think Miami and the Chargers were pretty confident that one of the two quarterbacks would be there. And my hunch is they probably had pretty equal grades on Tua and Herbert and would have, quote, settled for either and been happy either way. Another thing that happens the more you look back at old drafts, and and when we do this, we'll do this again throughout the offseason and look at some older drafts. When we get to, you know, three, four years away, you're like, oh my gosh, they took that guy, or wow, they would have. They said <laughs> right. they traded up for that guy, or they said no to trading down because they wanted to take that guy. You know, so it's like the more you do this kind of stuff, it's like wow, if you get a good offer, take it almost like almost a hundred percent of the time, unless you've just you're blown away by a prospect or it's a quarterback that you just you can't pass up on. 
when in doubt, realize that no one's really good at this draft thing and yeah. get as many picks as you can yep. and throw stuff at the fan. More darts. More darts to throw at the board. Yeah. Absolutely. Number seven, Carolina Panthers. They select defensive tackle Derek Brown out of Auburn. Do you think they would make that selection again today, or is somebody else there now with the way this draft board fell for Carolina at seven? They were a real tough one for me, too, because I thought about giving them wills um, I thought about, you know, they could take their choice of receivers. They don't really need a receiver. There's not a quarterback to take. Um, Jeremy Chin's been awesome. Their second round pick. I mean, yeah. they might take Chin over Brown knowing what they know right this minute. But I gave them a CUDA uh, just because he was the one I mentioned at the start of the show that, okay, he hasn't taken the world by storm, but I still think he's a premier corner prospect. And I kind of look at him as still a prospect where some of these guys I know are good NFL players. I just think he has great tools, man coverage skills, their defense needs work. And I didn't have a great fit for him. This one's tough for me because I think knowing what I know now, it was, and it was closer maybe than a lot of people thought. And I think some people might've been surprised how high CJ Henderson went. If I'm looking for a quarterback, mm -hmm. a cornerback, I think CJ Henderson would be the one I would take first, just because I think he's, uh, I think he's just a stickier man cover guy. And I do like Jeffrey Okuda. And if you're going to play more zone, I think Okuda would be that guy. Uh, specifically, if you're going to play some of that cover three stuff and ask him to do some of those things, I think he's better in run support as well, much better than CJ Henderson, but just as far as athleticism and sticking to a receiver in man coverage. I think CJ Henderson, and he proved that especially early in the season right away. I think Henderson uh, is a better fit. So it kind of depends on scheme with those two guys. And to me, they would still be one and two in this class at corner. Clearly, if you're going to play man all the time, I think, and that's what's strange because I think Henderson fits way better with Detroit than Okuda does. I hear what you're saying. Those are all really good points. I, I liked Okuda better coming into the draft and I'm kind of going to stick with it, but Henderson was very impressive early on. He's loaded with ability. He is a little stickier. I agree with that. And, you know, in the end, you're not going to have many drafts where those top 10 picks, there's not a corner taken. And again, this is way too early to do this. This is only 13 games into their rookie seasons, and Okuda's been hurt a little bit, and he's was obviously in a bad time, yeah. yeah, he's in a bad situation there in Detroit on a on a bad team. So uh, he could absolutely still be a world beater at the cornerback position, even though some Detroit Lions fans looked at it and thought, oh, man, number three overall. We thought we were going to get a little bit more a little sooner with Jeffrey Okuda. But I'm glad you yeah. stayed with your original evaluations because I think that's somewhat important in some of this because there's still some project. There's still a lot of projection with a lot of these guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm trusting the college tape on this one. Number eight is the Arizona Cardinals who selected linebacker Isaiah Simmons back in April. What do they do here now in December? Yeah, I, I think they go away from Simmons, who's starting to come on, and he's another one like the quarterback conversation. Like, it might take these guys a little while. Let's not write the book on them yet. But I'm going to give him Justin Jefferson, you know, with Kirk and Hopkins and spread the field and just make Kyler Murray's life easy. Justin Jefferson is a name that I thought might come up a little bit earlier, but then when you start going through yeah. this process, you just see some marquee positions, quarterback, defensive end, offensive tackle. Uh, corner boom 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 that was the first seven picks but Justin Jefferson and I, I might go Jefferson one spot earlier to Carolina there at number seven over yeah. Okuda but it, you know it's a deeper position at wide receiver so Carolina later in the or 
at, at the top of the second round can find a wide receiver easier than they can find a corner, which I think is a consideration here. Uh, Jeff, Justin Jefferson's been the guy. He's been the best wide receiver in this class pretty clearly, and he has been so good getting open, making contested catches. Uh, Kirk Cousins has is, is found him and, and been really tw- trustworthy you know, of, of his rookie wide receiver getting work early and often statistically, just the passes the eyeball test. Uh, one of the big questions I had, which now I wish I didn't have, and I wish I would have gone a little bit more and leaned more on his tape from the year before at LSU because he was 100% a slot receiver last year with Joe Burrow at LSU, and I hated that. And I saw his releases off the line of scrimmage. He does this release like it's a, like he's a basketball player about to cross over a defender. <laughs> And he kept that in the NFL, but it works. And I saw that and I was like, man, is he going to have trouble with press coverage playing on the outside in the NFL? That was one of my questions with him. And my other thing was like, well, he, you know, he's listed at 6'3", turned out to be 6'1". So he wasn't like a wow physical presence to me. And I was like, ah, he's good. He's a first rounder, but he's kind of behind some of these other guys. And then now when you see it all come together on the field, you're like, oh yeah, okay. None of that crap mattered. And he was the best receiver. And he's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And really, he took over a starting job in Minnesota in week three and has been Randy Moss productive rookie year. I mean, his his mm-hmm. production is historical. Yards per route run. He's not only at the top of rookies, he's at the top with all receivers in the NFL right now. I mean, he he's right. legitimately playing so good. And look, there's some other really good wide receivers in this class that you could argue could go in the top 10 as well. So this class will follow for a long time. But early Early reports and, you know, counting those early ballots, Justin Jefferson has a has a nice lead over the rest of the class. Be a pretty nice group of receivers for oh, Kyler yeah. Murray. Oh, yeah. Jacksonville Jaguars at number eight. They selected cornerback C.J. Henderson out of Florida. He is still on the board. Do you go that way or do you go another direction for Jacksonville at nine? Strongly considered it. I, I also thought about grabbing Wills, who you mentioned before is, is quite impressive. Um, but I went with CeeDee Lamb. I, I remember, they took Chenault, too. So receiver was is a need. They need some younger guys. I'm super impressed with CeeDee Lamb. And I'm not saying he'd do, have Jefferson-like numbers, but his production would be much different if Dak Prescott had played every snap this year. Oh, I absolutely. And I think CeeDee Lamb is going to be a target hog wide receiver for a long time. And yes. uh, hopefully Dak does come back, or at least that, that the Cowboys get a good quarterback situation there, and he's a little bit lost on the depth chart because there's some other good wide receivers in Dallas. If he went to a team like let's say CD lamb went to Minnesota and Justin Jefferson went to the Cowboys, mm-hmm. would their numbers kind of look the same, but flipped, right? Would, would CD lamb have the numbers of Justin Jefferson? I don't think it would be that far off because he would be getting more targets. He'd be a 100% starter on the field all the time, play inside and out and would have a nice quarterback that stayed healthy. That was, uh, throwing him the ball because uh, Lamb's yeah. ball skills are, I think, the best in this class. Like, I love seeing he almost had that Hail Mary, by the way. Did you see that at the end? Of the I know. First he half? almost he got, kind of felt like he should have. He, he hit his hands. He skied over yeah. everybody. He's got legitimate DeAndre Hopkins style ball skills where he tracks the ball so well. He's an alpha when the ball's in the air. He goes and attacks it and has pure hands and trusts his hands. So uh, I really I'm a huge fan of CeeDee Lamb. And I think landing spot is a, is a big factor in a lot of these rookie wide receivers. Yeah, 100 percent true. Um, not disputing anything you said, but the one thing that kind of, I give the edge to Jefferson over Lamb that I didn't see coming out of school was Jefferson has 60 yard touchdowns, 80 yard touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I mean, his, not his average at the target. Well, yes, but his, his average, his average yards per reception, I didn't see coming. Jefferson 
is a lot faster than Lamb. That was the one knock. That yeah, was the yeah. one thing. That was the only reason I didn't have Lamb is just such a slam dunk number one wide receiver in the class was because he got to top speed quickly, but he topped out, and you could see it. And he never really ran by guys, and he won with with uh, he he won in other ways, not just pure speed. Jefferson clearly. Uh, more explosive uh, with long speed. I, I think that's clear. As we're a lot of yeah. receivers in this class, more so than Lamb. Lamb, I like him uh, with a lot of a, you know route, route running ability, uh, ball skills, and and those kind of things. I would take yeah. Lamb, but yeah, speed is the one thing holding him back from being a true superstar. If he doesn't, and he still could become a true superstar because, as we know, that's the one thing that's the most overrated for a wide receiver in the NFL. Too. Oh yeah, I mean, he could have a Michael Thomas like career. Oh, yeah. Adams, DeAndre you know, Hopkins. Hopkins. Yep. Right. Yep. 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 Adams. I think those are all great comps for what CeeDee Lamb could be at his best. All right. Last selection in our top 10 redraft from 2020. The Cleveland Browns are on the clock and it got a little bit dicey, but Jedrick Wills did make it all the way to them. He's the third best offensive tackle uh, in this redraft now because two are already on the board. Do you select Jedrick Wills here? Go offensive tackle or is there another direction Cleveland should go at number 10? Uh, yes, I, I did have him take rolling it back with Wills. I think they should be very, very happy with him. He was actually my favorite of the tackles coming out. I gave some consideration to Henderson. I thought about Judy or Claypool or, you know, their linebacker safety situations really bad. Could you get a, a Simmons or a chin or even a Winfield or somebody like that? But I thought, I'm not going to do something just to make waves. Give me the tackle who's been really good. Jedrick Wills, offensive tackle, stays in Cleveland with pick number 10. And if I'm not mistaken, that was the only selection. Oh, no, the Miami selection. So there were two. Miami stuck with Tua at quarterback. Cleveland stuck with Jedrick Wills at offensive tackle. Everybody else had a different selection in our top 10 redraft. It went like this. Cincinnati, Justin Herbert, number one. Washington with Joe Burrow, number two. Detroit Lions select... Chase Young, number three. Tristan Wirfs goes to the New York Giants at four. Tua to Miami at five. The Chargers select Mekhi Becton, offensive tackle at six, with all three quarterbacks off the board. Carolina goes cornerback Jeffrey Okuda. Arizona, wide receiver Justin Jefferson. Jacksonville selects C.D. Lamb, wide receiver at nine. And number 10, Jedrick Wills sticks with the Cleveland Browns. I like it. I think you nailed it here, Matt. I think uh, this is the way it should have happened. I think the Chargers are the only team that would rather have what they got. I think maybe they up their offer and they're like, they're like, <laughs> right. hey, Gettleman, I know you don't like to trade. Move down two stupid spots and we're going to go get our quarterback, right? You have to. Like, that has to be the, the mesh point if we're using football terms here. I think pick number four because it'd be a lot harder to get Detroit to move off of Chase Young. I think with all those offensive tackles, the Giants in both the real draft and our redraft, how did the Giants not trade? No, it's a little bit crazy, but but I bet Lions fans are like, yeah, I'd trade Akuda for Chase Young, and I bet Arizona fans are saying, sure, I'll I'll trade you Simmons for Justin Jefferson. You know, yeah. I'm going to save this too because the difference a year makes. We talked about that earlier in this podcast. Yeah, we'll laugh at it at some point. Next, even next December, so one more calendar year. I, I want to go back through this one more time, and then we'll see if we really, you know, if that hindsight was correct this time, or if it'll be shaken up quite a bit more. So I think that'll be fun. And, and we'll go through some other draft classes and maybe just do the entire first round since we have more time during the offseason as we yeah, have a, a, a ton, of, ton of draft coverage here on Peacock and Williamson. It should be a lot of fun. And this was fun, too. And I, and I think you nailed it, Matt. Good job. Well, thank you. I'm a little bit worried now that some team is going to come calling. Which job do you like best? Do you want to be GM in uh, Chicago or Detroit? Because uh, <laughs> you need to get out from under my wings here. 
<laughs> I think we're safe. Okay. Uh, all right. Good stuff. Everybody will be back tomorrow with Chris Raybon of the Action Network making his six-pack of best bets for Sunday's action right here. Peacock and Williamson.